Hey, very good afternoon, good morning, good evening, all of the above. My name is Sean. And this is Alex. And you're listening to a new episode of Ghost of Kings Radio. Radio. We're in season five. It's been a minute. The last time we talked about Wonder Woman, Flight of Courage at Six Flags Magic Mountain. That was in 2022. It is now summer of 2023. You may wonder where have we been? Flying to Europe and back and forth, pretty much. We've been everywhere. We've been doing everything. We've been working a lot. Sean started his career as a flight attendant, so... Mostly flying, yeah. That's been like... Which is great. The last six months especially have been a lot of that. Um, But yeah, we're like kind of getting back into the swing of things, adjusting and adapting to our new normal. One big thing since our last episode in season four is that Coaster Kings is now practically just one entity. No more California Coaster Kings, no more Florida Coaster Kings. We still have European Coaster Kings, but purely for social media purposes because they are a big brand. But everything else is rolled together into just Coaster Kings, which has been easier. And now we're all set in our new ways, and we're bringing back Coaster Kings Radio. We're going to bring back our new articles. We're starting things back up, but just in the Coaster Kings only format. Yeah, now that we've taken time to kind of like focus on our own personal transitions, we're kind of in a better place now to focus on this. Things have stabilized, but things are good and things are exciting. And we've been keeping busy. We've ridden some some interesting new roller coasters the last uh, this past season. We're about halfway through like the roller coaster season, and I think we've covered some good ground. So we're eager to talk about some of that. So what you'll find in this season is we're going to be doing a, um, a kind of like a sub-series, which is going to be called um, Inside in a Certain Park or a Certain Destination we'll be covering, which is just kind of us taking a really in-depth look at the park, its history operations, kind of doing a loop around said park and discussing everything that's in its way. Um, so we're excited to do that. It's going to include some parks from between last season and now, practically, and the first episode we're going to be revealing to you guys is um, one we're really excited to do, excited to launch the season with it, and that's the Batman versus Velocicoaster versus Tutatis versus Pantheon episode. Yes, those four big intimates. So our inspiration for this episode was just because three of the major roller coasters that we hit this year, um, two of which are brand new this year, are the current generation of Intamin. LSM coasters and being in Orlando for Velocicoaster, um, when we went to ride Totaltis, uh, on one of our Disneyland Paris trips, it obviously begged comparisons. And then again, when we rode Batman and then by the time we rode Pantheon, we were like, we should really talk about all four of these coasters in the same yeah, I context. Think we rode Batman after Pantheon. So we went Pantheon on my birthday week, and then two weeks later we did Batman. But oh yeah, it's you're crazy. right. You're we right. did literally yeah. all of them in the last god in like a two months. Batman was max. part of the plan longer though. Like we knew we were going to ride Batman, and then we were like, oh, let's ride Totatis or no, uh, and then Pantheon, and then we rode Pantheon. But we did ride Pantheon first. It's true. So in this episode, we're gonna start by kind of discussing each individually, and then we're gonna move on to comparing them. I think the biggest comparisons will really be between Totatis and Pantheon. And then Batman and Velocicoaster, given their, you know, the rights are more similar to each other. And then we'll end up ranking them all and kind of give me your reason why we ranked them the way they would do. So uh, let's start with Tutatis. So I think with Tutatis, we wrote this one before we wrote Pantheon. And even though Pantheon has been around a little bit longer, like everybody wrote Pantheon before we did. Because um, it took us like over a year to get there. With Totaltis, we wrote it like a week or, or a couple of weeks after it opened. I think it was like a week or so after. Yeah, it, it was, was really it was soon after. Really soon after it opened. Um, like we were already going to Disneyland Paris, you know, as we do. And then we were like, oh, Totaltis is open. Like we should probably go write that. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect. We had, I mean, I had high hopes because it looked really cool and I thought the swing launch looked awesome. Um, but then I could see like, with Pantheon being part of the conversation, I'm like, well, maybe, you know, maybe other people won't be that crazy or that excited even to like 
run to France and write this thing because like Bush Gardens Williamsburg already has Pantheon, but writing Totatis, it was clear that like it's a, it's a pretty different approach stylistically. But what we would learn with Pantheon was that Pantheon really does have kind of a a different approach than the other three in in some capacities. Like there's ways that Totatis and Pantheon are very similar. Obviously, they have the big swing launch. I think that's the number one thing. Like that's the number one thing that lends these two rides to comparison is is having the mid ride swing launch with the little airtime hill in the middle and the back spike. Whereas um, Velocicoaster and Gotham City Escape are have more relatively more straightforward launch sequences and like the the big top hats the way that they do. So let's start with uh, discussing the layout for Tutatis a little bit. So. For those that are familiar with the ride's layout, we'll just run through it real quick. You leave the station via a little drop. You launch into the first element, which is kind of this rise out of a out of a ditch into this overbank turn that is an inversion, and then it's followed by a like a turn and then an outward bank turn into the infamous element, which is the double up top hat, you know, reverse launch into the you know the swing launch into the giant spike and then over the top hat. Top hat itself is actually quite steep. So with the with the two newer intimates, they both go beyond vertical. In the case of Tutatis, it's 101 degrees. Um, has a bit of a break on top as well. So you kind of get a moment to look down and then you go down, which I personally enjoy because it kind of gives you pop of airtime going into the top hat and then another pop of airtime leaving the top hat. That's followed by like a quick shift of a directional change and a quick low to the ground element followed by a Zero G stall, uh, which is then followed by a wave turn, very low to the ground, big airtime hill, another transition like S turn into a, I guess corkscrew is what you would call that, and then that eventually brings itself into the break run. So element wise, it you know well, it's you, sort of like a roll. Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting it's like inversion. A, it's like a watered down Mosasaurus roll. Yeah, it's almost like a transitional change, but instead of it being the usual intimate S turn hill, it's kind of like. Flipped upside down into an inversion. Yeah, it's it's not like a traditional corkscrew in the way that like Gotham City Escape has a pretty straightforward. It's funny because yeah, they have two really straightforward corkscrews in Gotham City Escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the the layout of the ride. And I think for this one, I, the the one thing that really took me took me away with this ride was the backwards airtime on the swing launch. And because I'd say at the start of the ride, the little stall at the beginning is cute. The little off-axis airtime hills don't really do much for me. It's very, like, plodding around, like, an RMC finding its way out of the station and onto the lift hill. Um, so for me, Total Tease really starts with the swing launch. And then the swing launch is incredible and really dominates the whole experience. And then when you come off the top hat, it's all a little bit less impactful. Um, again... But at the same time, I think the swing launch is just so well done um, that it's hard for me to say that it's a negative quality that the swing launch is like the most memorable part for me anyway. Well, I will say I agree with you that the swing launch is obviously the biggest element of the ride and kind of the center and, and the focus of it. The focal point. I think what matters to me the most on these intimates is kind of like the quick snap transitions the elements that from a distance kind of just look like elements but then end up being quite surprising and i feel like especially on two tattoos there were several moments where I, I was surprised by the swiftness of the element where i was like oh damn i got really being thrown around kind of like a ragdoll i still distinctly remember on the first ride almost throwing out my shoulder or something i was like wow like that was such an impactful little moment i did not see that coming despite already you know, being visually able to anticipate what the next element is. And I did not quite have that on all of these coasters, but Tutatis definitely, I feel, the way that the elements were shaped and the way the the transitions between the elements were created, created for a lot of little moments that perhaps I wasn't really expecting because there weren't big elements, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think the place where Tutatis wins among all four of these coasters, um, I think this one has an airtime edge to it because it has the best swing launch airtime between Pantheon and Totatis in that conversation. And then it also has that amazing airtime coming into the breaks and then some really nice moments, uh, like going into the top hat and after the top hat. And, um, this is, it's got one of those, um, kind of 
Outer Bank turns onto Tatis, doesn't it? Or is that a different? Am I thinking? It has like a, a bit of a turn after the um, the, the big airtime hill that comes later in the ride. Turn around. That's more of a low to the ground moment. Like before, yeah, that's, right yeah, that's kind of like a wave turn on the like low yeah. to the ground wave turn. But then yeah. you have an airtime hill after. That's a pretty good airtime hill, and yeah. then it has like a weird. And then it does the yeah. like like a mini pantheon outer bank turn. Yeah. But one thing I want to discuss about the Tatis, and that makes it completely unique compared to the other three, is its setting. It is in the forest. They cut down minimal amounts of trees. Um, a lot of it's dug lower into the ground, so the midway is uh, above Excellent the right. So you have um, a lot of the elements that are kind of dug into the ground. And then you also have a hovering above. You've got Trastura, which is the giant Mac bobsled coaster. So when you think of the, the tree canopy, the, the physical steel canopy of having another coaster hovering over it, and then all the thematic edges, and it's a very natural approach they took. It, you know, it's kind of themed to this festival in the forest. So all things considered, track color, landscape, other coaster above it, it has a completely different feel to it than I would say the other three do in a very green, naturalistic way, which is something I really appreciate about Tototis. And like the little festival Tototis area, they just killed it. I think they did a great job with integrating the existing roller coaster into the area and also the little nebula's flat ride that's next to it you get a really great view of the whole area when you're doing the back spike on Tatis. it's just like you really get this moment to just take it all in um so like it's a very complete package the coaster the whole area and stuff the whole experience it really feels like they really left no stone unturned with this ride there was there was nothing left on the table there was something that they could do with this attraction as far as integration and and just bringing out the most of it they definitely went there like there was nothing that they could have done more i think within a reasonable expectation um so i would say it was it was just a really strong execution altogether yeah i'd agree and if you look at the overall stats of each roller coaster it is the um, second longest of the four so it does have the length in its favor um but it isn't necessarily like the biggest it's um I guess the second tallest of them, right below Pantheon. But overall, the feel of it is, I think, just... It's like it's just the right size yeah. for me. Like, it isn't overly large. It isn't trying to be overly large. It's it's just a good size the ride. The execution was everything. And I think, overall, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the ride, especially our second ride we rode in the front. And for me, it was a front row ride, which is funny, because usually I feel like back spike hoses are back row rides for mm-hmm. me, because the taller I get the spike, the happier I am. But in this case, I really liked being in the front. Yeah, I agree. So now, so we rode Totatis, and then a couple months later, we ride Pantheon. Yeah, I think it was less than two months, like a month and a half. And I would say that, ride. like, Totatis definitely took some inspiration from Pantheon, and more importantly, learned um, from Pantheon, I think, on how to execute some of its tricks a little better. Yeah, so I will say that like at the core, if you look at all the elements and when you ride them, they definitely feel very similar. They feel almost like an upgraded version of Pantheon, a more refined version. You know, like Pantheon is like, boom, here are all the elements. Bam, 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 bam. They're all there. They're very exposed because of complete lack of theming or landscaping to like a dire level. Um, but then Tutatis builds on that and adds little elements and kind of switches up the variety it's finessed it's finesse for sure to the tease feels like the expensive version is where <laughs> pantheon perhaps feels like the wish version <laughs> it's, it's just it feels a little off the shelf it's, it's it's pantheon is is very straightforward for better or for worse i would say it's it, yeah I, I would say so too well and sometimes that's nice um a highlight of it is that you have these giant elements so you get to appreciate every single one of them for a longer time because i do feel like pantheon Despite it not being as much going on, and it is, it is a long and taller and larger ride, I do feel like every element gets to shine more that, that way. Yeah, there's a bigness with Pantheon, like a scope and a scale to it that is really amazing. There's definitely things that this ride does that the other three do not. Um, like the drop coming off of the top hat, I believe, is over 200 feet in drop length, if I'm not mistaken. And it's beyond vertical, which is also it's, it's a superb moment. And like the scope, the the massiveness of this ride is is unique to this to this installation for sure. And 
the outward banking turn after the top hat is, I think, the the key element on this attraction that sets it apart. Even though it's not the most spectacular moment on the ride, it's certainly unique when you look at it compared to it's not just these other three coasters that we're comparing it to, but really any other um, ride from this product line from Intamin that we've seen. And just for the sake of uniformity, I'm also going to quickly run through the elements on this ride. Mm-hmm. So just like Tutatis, you... It's true. It won't <laughs> um, after the incredibly boring and lame station, no kidding. Um, huh. You leave the station, make a turn, have a quick little launch. It's like a little snake into a um, yeah. You snake a little bit over there. They have a launch into the um, course screw. The course screw has a nice height differentiation. I will say the topography there does differ quite a bit on Pantheon. Um, so you dip mm-hmm. down a little bit, and it's followed by two eye time uh, outer bank turns, which is one more to the T's. So yeah. you know it has that going for it. Well, doesn't Total T's have two? I think it just has. No, Total T's has two of the off-axis hills. Oh, uh, I thought one of those is kind of like an adjustment. The other was like a clear off one. Maybe so. Um, either way, it was more pronounced, and I will say a little more forceful on Pantheon. Yeah. That is followed by the swing launch, same thing, top hat, you know, little airtime hill, back up the spike. The spike mm-hmm. is quite taller, 178 foot. And um, after the top hat again, you've got yourself with a massive outer bank turn that's high over the Rhine River. That's a really cool element. Um, that is followed by a quick low to the ground adjustment into the zero G roll stall, which is all very similar to how Pantheon, sorry, how Tutatis does things. Which is then followed by a little zigzag into an outer bank turn, which directly leads you into the brake run. So when you think of the order operations and the elements, it is really similar to Tutatis, but again, not as refined. Yeah, the, the biggest thing, so writing Tutatis first, and then riding Pantheon, I think, contributes a bit, little bit to our experience. The average American coaster enthusiast probably rode Pantheon first. I think a lot, a lot, a lot of people uh, made their way out to Busch Gardens Williamsburg for Pantheon when it opened. And, you know, meanwhile, Tutatis is, for an American, a lot harder to access and, and has only been open a couple of months. For European enthusiasts, maybe you ride Tutatis before you ride Pantheon and maybe you'll kind of... Um, see where we're going with this, but after writing Total Tease, Pantheon did not hit for me the way I wanted it to be hidden. Yeah, I feel like the biggest thing is um, a lack of those kind of extra smaller elements. Total Tease, um, you know, there's, there's a nice variety of large elements, small elements, and, you know, it's, it's just a good variety, but I feel like on Pantheon, besides the small two outer bank turns and the corkscrew, everything is just, you know, it's like three or four really big elements. That's kind of it. And at the end of the day, I feel like those days of coasters are kind of past me. I like a couple little quirks. I like smaller elements. And then if you add to it the fact that there's absolutely no theming or no <laughs> landscaping, it suddenly just feels like a bare, perhaps even underwhelming experience. And the biggest thing for me, so for Tutaltis, the biggest surprise for me was the airtime on the swing launch. It was like a, an aggressive moment, like... The first launch was one thing, but then hitting the airtime hill backwards on the second launch like really surprised me for something that I was technically, theoretically prepared for. But then on Pantheon, the initial launch is just not as intense. The back swing launch, not as good of airtime. It all felt a little more exaggerated, and the, the launches were definitely less punchy. So it was like the two aspects that I think are... the or the one aspect that's the easiest way to compare these two rides, Tiltautis definitely does that trick better. I will say I personally thought that the swing launch was perfectly fine on Pantheon. I enjoyed it maybe even just as much. But where I do have to give Pantheon credit is that it has that giant outer bank turn, and there's some good air on it, and it's a visually incredibly stunning moment, perhaps better than any moment on Tiltautis, visually speaking, because it is so high over the river. It is just like... A really big element of the ride that we definitely can't forget to talk about, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a lot of drama with that overbank moment, and it is something that I think more than any one aspect sets Pantheon apart from the other rides. Um, it has a very long. It has a. It has the physically the largest stall, inverting stall of any of these rides because it's huge and you travel through it so quickly, and yet you feel like you linger up there um, despite its length or despite it's the speed with which you pass through it. Exactly. At the end of the day, I, I do love a good coast that's very large with very large elements. And 
if you're looking for that kind of ride, Pantheon definitely hits because if you look at the total scope of every element, Pantheon's elements are still by far the largest. And it's funny, when you look at, we have all four of these coasters pulled up on Roller Coaster Database, and it's kind of crazy how short Pantheon is. Um, and it, it, it feels, it's a ride that's not really that short. It's not, it's only like a couple hundred feet shorter than Totatis, which is how many meters? Like 30 or 40 meters shorter. Oof, um, I'm not, it's too late for me to do math right now. <laughs> okay, well, I guess, so... Divided by three. Total Tease is 200 <laughs> feet longer than Pantheon. Batman and Pantheon are are virtually identical in length. Like, they're, they're like, 10 feet difference in length. Um, but, like, Gotham City Escape and Total Tease have a smaller overall scope and do a lot more. They, they for the amount of track that one element on Pantheon takes up, Tototis and Batman do like two or three elements in that same stretch of track. So a ride like Pantheon is so big, but it can feel so much shorter uh, because of the scope of it and the fact that the track length for it is really not that long for a ride of its size. You're right, and I must admit, we are still talking about legacy giant intimates, so by no means any of this ride's bad. You just kind of get to the point about, okay, we're talking about these four roller coasters, ridden all of them within like a you know six-week span or something crazy like that. So in our heads, obviously, we're going to be like more critical and perhaps, you know, probably literally trying to tell you which one is better. But they're all quite good. Like, let me let me do throw that in this episode. Yeah, objectively, there's still four incredible intimates. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the one we've already heard about. We had all episodes in, I think, season three. So it's been like two seasons since we even talked about this. But Philosophers, let's do a quick rundown. Are we going to pick a favorite between Tootsies and Pantheon first, or are we going to save that for later? We're going to do the comparisons in a little bit. Okay. People can probably already guess which one is our preferred, but... Oh, yeah, it's a Pantheon. (laughs) (laughs) So, Velocicoaster, it may not be the tallest or the fastest, because Pantheon is actually both of those, but it is definitely the longest, and I didn't actually realize it was 4,700 feet long until consulting roller coaster database when thinking about these four coasters i didn't think that velocicoaster was substantially longer than the other three it's all about the meandering in the first half i think part of it also has to do with the fact that totatis pantheon and spoiler alert even gotham city escape have moments of the ride where they traverse the same piece of track forward and backward um this velocicoaster is the only one of the bunch that just is a straightforward completely a complete circuit, really. Yeah, yeah a, 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 strand, a standard full circuit roller coaster with no gimmicks, no track switches, none of that. That all that all went to uh, to Hagrid's next door. So, in the incredible off chance you have no clue what floss coasters like, let's run down the elements <laughs> real quick. So, you leave the station, little swish, you spark into a themed to Chris launch barn. Talk about how this was a bad idea, right? So bad, and then you launch, um, followed by a Immelman, followed by a dive loop. A little bit swirling around the paddock, which includes some airtime moments, some lateral moments, yes, photo opportunity, and four static dinosaurs. And then you launch underneath the whole ride plot, which is in like in a dug tunnel. You launch past the queue to the top speed of the ride, which is 70 miles an hour, into the big 155-foot top hat, 80-degree angle drop, followed by a giant stall, a wave turn, an outer bank turn, an in-bank turn, and then a little airtime moment into the Mosasaur roll, <laughs> which is like the big barrel roll over Fabulous. the water. The spectacular finale. finale. Into a little S-turn hop into the brake run. Great layout, really, obviously. So this one, it's hard not to be biased, for better or for worse. Like, these other three Intamins, we've ridden twice each. And for Batman and Totaltis, they have the added um, pizzazz of being, you know, a little more difficult to access than like our, our domestic lovelies. Um, and like for a Velocicoaster, I mean, we're quite jaded because it's, it's right down the street and we won't stand in line for it. If it's longer than 45 minutes, um, we've ridden it by far the most. Of I've all of so many times. I, there's no way to even, yeah, keep up. I couldn't even tell you how many times we've ridden this. Um, and we, and, but then having said that, like, man, it is a great ride. There is so much substance there. Um, thematically it's 
I would say it's strong. It's Period. strong. It's strong. Very strong. It's thematically very strong. It doesn't have the the same setting strengths, I think, that Totatis has. And it doesn't have the varied topography that Pantheon has, but it's got a little bit. It's got some pretty decent topography variants for a roller coaster in Florida. So having said that, what Alex is, I guess, referring to directly is the natural landscaping of the yeah. area that they're in. But if we're going to talk overall landscaping or, you know, dress up, I would say obviously Velasco is the most spectacularly dressed up yeah, in I the mean, world. I mean, my I point mean, is that everything you know, from Velocicoaster was, like, planted. Exactly. And all the rock work is obviously not real. The foliage is... But is, all things considered, especially going yeah. over the lagoon and, like, having having all of that going on, all the foliage of, you know, the floor that Florida can support, it's a really well good-looking ride. Perhaps the most densely themed and landscaped one of all four. And it's also the one coaster here that I feel like has two really distinct sequences separated by the launches. The paddock coaster portion is its own thing. And and some people would argue that they would rather just have a coaster that does all the the batshit crazy stuff that like Velocicoaster accomplishes in the second half. And there is a coaster that does do that, and we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but it's also important though to have a good balance. And I one thing I always appreciate about a ride is good length and Velocicoaster delivers that because at the end of the day, that ride, you know, is going on, going on, going on. And then you still have a whole second half that you can launch into. Excellent pacing. And it's one of those rides where, realistically, when you're standing in the park, you'll see two trains running at the same time on the track because it's such a long roller coaster, despite, it, you know, being a launch ride, not even having lift hills, which is nice. And, like, even though the, the, the Velociraptor paddock portion of the ride isn't necessarily anybody's favorite, it's really cool for what it is. It reminds me a little bit of Tyron got that Tyron sensibility before it takes off and does all of the height and all of the speed, um, you know, kind of the, the, the blockbuster aspects of the ride. And one thing we got to mention for sure is train length. So on Pantheon to Tatis, it's um, five cars per train, 20 riders. On um, Batman, it's even shorter. We'll discuss that in a minute. Yeah. But on Velocicoaster, the trains are long. Car. Six car trains. Yeah. And what's so cool about that is for a lot of the elements, there is a way bigger difference in the ride experience, whether you sit in the front, where you sit in the back. And on the especially on the first two inversions, which Definitely. are right after the first yeah. launch, when you sit in the back, you get that whip around that first mm-hmm. moment. And then on the dive loop, you get a, such a great little launch into the inversion in the front. It is nice to have such a variety of elements on that ride. I will say Flaskos does not repeat itself even once, which is great. Yeah. It's just neat that, like, you feel like you get two different rides in one, especially since, I mean, they do such a good job. When you're in the Raptor paddock, it's like you can't even, you're not even conscientious of the rest of the ride around you. And then when you exit the paddock and take off and you're in the top hat portion of the ride, it's like you wouldn't even see the paddock sequence of the ride. Not only do you have, like, two distinct ride sequences, but they're also physically pretty far from each other, and they do a really nice job of, of... I don't know. I don't know how you say that, but it's like they're just they're just so nicely compartmentalized and and self-contained in a way. Well, in a way, it's almost like you have two distinct rides that are linked together yeah, by it's an like extra two attractions launch in one, really, which is nice for better or for worse. Because again, some people would say that the paddock is a little too meandery, and that like they spend their whole paddock ride sequence waiting for the top hat. And there's some there's some truth to that, but it. I think for a ride that's this long, they do a great job of of pacing and like not giving itself away and focus and you know not giving it all away up front. Having you know a great sequence at the beginning that does all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't be doing in the second half anyway because you have to be taking that kind of stuff at a lower speed um, and and focusing more on like the terrain and like the rock work and stuff in the second half of the ride. You're just balls out insane. And to be honest, I actually really appreciate having that meandering. First of all, there's enough going on that it doesn't feel like a complete snooze fest. Yeah. Well, you know, and um, having having the close calls with the dinosaurs and having the rock work makes it enough for me to be quite entertained by that moment, by that first half, despite the second half kicking way more ass, realistically. Um, and then, of course, I want to just bring up the fact that it has one of my all-time favorite elements, if not all-time favorite element, period, 
Because the Mosasaur roll at the end of the ride, it's just un- indescribable. It's one of those moments that I can't believe they did it. I can't believe it's still standing. Mm-hmm. It's just like it, it runs through that element so quick. And the way that they shaped the inversion, you kind of get launched towards the water right below you. It is just absolutely crazy. The fact that it's at a Park Hog Universal, which, you know, has both thrill rides before. But this is really one of the most thrilling moments of any roller coaster anywhere in the world. And boom, it's like on a Universal ride that spends half its, half its time meandering around theming. Yeah, for a ride that can really pride itself in a lot of oh shit moments, it's really amazing that they left really three of the best moments there for the very end. Because the Mosasaurus roll, even if you're not a screamer, if you're not a vocal roller coaster rider, you'd have a train full of quiet people on this ride that are just kind of taking it all in. But the Mosasaurus okay. Squeal. will drag some screams out of some quiet riders. Like, it happens without fail. Or the people who are already pretty vocal, they go through the Mosasaurus roll and they make noises that are, like, inhuman. Because it does feel like you're about to be ejected into the water. And then you have no time to catch your breath. Because you take those two airtime hills into the brake run. They're they're aggressive. They're awesome. It's, it's such a great little triple punch right before the end of the ride. Um, it just ties it all up nicely in a big bow. And so the previous two coasters we talked about, their cues are nothing that spectacular or special. Especially not Pantheon. There, it's hardly even a cue to call... Can you call it a cube? We didn't even wait. Um, and for Tototis, we, we paid to cut <laughs> and both I mean, it's just mostly outdoor with like a covered staircase yeah, to the station. It's not that great. Pantheons is really phoned in. But with these next two, you know, roller coasters, we're going to have to discuss the queue and the overall storytelling because they're just so focused on that. So in Velocicoaster's case, gorgeous queue, despite obviously it being able to hold hours of queue because of the park being so popular. Spending a lot of time next to the lake, next to the Mosasaur roll, a foreign nerd is absolutely spectacular. And if you're waiting inside, it's an aesthetically clean process with um, two animatronics, a interactive wall where, you know, interactive window pane where dinosaurs chase the train that passes by. It's all in all a very satisfying a and gorgeous queue. Very so that's clever. definitely something to discuss. And it doesn't necessarily have any like any pre-show or anything it doesn't necessarily need one given that the theme of the ride is being a roller coaster built into a dinosaur paddock so all of that is great um i actually really like it one criticism i have when you get to the upstairs switchbacks on philosophy coaster is oftentimes the weight in the switchbacks is about two whole cycles of the show that they're playing on the screen meaning that the you know claire dearborn telling you what's going on and owen whatever his name is not agreeing with it. You see the whole cycle twice kind of taking that reality edge away a little bit. You know, that continued storyline kind of gets interrupted. Yeah. But that's my only criticism of that cue, honestly. Yeah, it does a pretty good job of, like, you know, telling a story. It's Orlando. Every every coaster wants to tell a story. It's kind of par for the course. Um, But then when you go to another, you know, you go to parks that are outside of the Orlando bubble or the, you know, Disney Universal bubble, really, and they, they... take on the task of telling a story with their cue, especially when it's a, a major roller coaster like this. Um, it's really something special and, and, and is, you know, full. It's a, a really nice surprise, which I'd say at this point, do you want to move on to, to Batman? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Let's do it. Yeah. So um, for Batman, we have to obviously realize that this is in the scope of the philosopher coaster, which means that, um, Later on, too, we'll be comparing these two together because they're just so similar. Um, Even I just guess looking can, at Batman, it's like, oh, this yeah, is definitely... Yeah, you know, especially when they were building it, it was like, wow, this is Spanish Flusticoza. Because so, in, in some magical way, we ended up being in Spain last September, which we didn't do podcasts about them. They're going to come this season. But we were there for a couple of days at Parker Warner while they were constructing so much of Batman that we did all these updates and... We got started figuring out the layout. It was honestly a really fun time to just walk around that park because Batman was being actively constructed. I still remember them lifting the um, the inverted top hat, or sorry, the um, the stall into place. I mean, it was just like you know, day after day, there was more stuff going on. So if you have the chance, you want to look at it, you can go back into theghostskins.com and search for it. You'll find the construction photos that we took. But that was a really fun prog- uh, process to follow. Anyway. I think the best thing to realize here is that Batman Gotham City Escape is a beautiful, 
Coaster that reuses so much of existing infrastructure, which is something I have so much respect for. Totally. Because it doesn't feel like it. It feels like it was all brand new. But it uses the um, the pre-show and the queue. Entrance. And the entrance. And, and a bunch of other stuff from the old Batman simulators. So there used to be Batman simulators. You went into the Bat... You went into the um, Bruce Manor. They had a pre-show. You went into the Bat Cave. There was a pre-show. And then you went into the simulator and then you left the building. They reuse everything of that to create a really amazing storytelling coaster. It now has pre-shows in a gorgeous, detailed indoor queue after the pre-show that is honestly unmatched. And like for the, for fans of Movie Park Germany, you'll recognize um, some of the repurposed queue areas right away from Time Riders, or if if you were there for the uh, Warner Brothers Movie World days, the the Batman. Um, Motion simulator there was pretty pretty much cloned like a carbon copy for um, yeah they were the park same Warner. both resorts yeah yeah M- movie park Germany always did more of like a dark ride kind of take on things they they had coasters but it was they were kind of their focus was a little bit more on dark rides and like Disneyland Paris and Efteling and stuff and when Park Warner opened they were definitely looking more at rides even though it was the same parent company and they could do the same things that they wanted. They were, I think for the Spanish park, they were like, they were, it was six flags was also involved and they were looking a lot at like Port Aventura and all of their roller coasters. And they're like, we're going to do like a big, a roller coaster park. Definitely some like inspiration from parks in Florida and et cetera. But the, the, the Batman motion simulator ride was something that they really, they were, they were kind of confident. They're like, we're going to keep this for the Spanish park. Because it was a hit in the German park, it was like a perfect blockbuster attraction, and now the attraction lives on in, in, in an exciting new way. It's kind of cool, like the evolution of the simulator into this crazy roller coaster, which um, is also the only one, only real big intimate these days that is like of this product line to actually feature onboard audio, which is a whole extra level mm-hmm. of something that this ride has and none of the others have, mm-hmm. is that it has onboard audio. Um, Let's run through the elements real quick, like we usually do. We'll discuss the queue in more detail in just a little bit. But from the coaster dispatch to the station, you make a turn into a quick little show scene, followed by a super snappy little launch. Great launch! I cannot believe how surprised I was. By if your the head's not launch. already back, it will be. It will boop. It will uh, you know yeah. you get a little gentle tap. Anywho, you will launch into a little double up into a corkscrew. That corkscrew drops you straight into the main launch. Which then runs into the top hat. Top hat is brakes on top, just like two tatis, which means you have a pop of air going in. You kind of just hang there, and then you go beyond vertical, which I believe is also 100 plus degrees. It's very, very it's steep. It's very it steep. Velocicoasters, 80 degree angle seem like nothing. I know, right? It's like Goliath and Magic Mountain. Yeah. Anywho, then <laughs> um, that's followed by a really swift airtime hill. One that's one of the best just in the industry. A great sustained airtime moment. Followed by a sideways dive loop where you kind of hang sideways and then you make the dive. That dive then goes into a, a downward mini drop, which I, I can't believe they thought of this, underneath some tunnel, which is a really snappy great airtime moment. Uh, followed by a gorgeous S figure turn, you know, Intimate's famous for them. Little I 305 swish moment. Precisely. Followed by a gorgeously, perfectly shaped corkscrew. Uh, a wave turn into the next launch, which is in the opposite direction of the previous launch. This is the launch three already, which is also unique. None of the others have three whole launch pads. You launch into a giant S turn that goes up above Gotham City Park, and then that is followed by a highly elevated stall above the previous existing Gotham City area, where you hang for a good three seconds or something. It's some insane hang time <laughs> moment. Um, in the opposite direction, you twist out of it into a big drop, into a building, blow through the building, up to a spike, and then the spike slows you down. Come back, turntable, final thematic scene, back into the station. A delicious ride. <laughs> delicious. Delicious in every way. So there's things about this ride that are unique that I just love. Um, there's definitely some good head chopper moments on Totaltis and Velocicoaster. Velocicoaster's got like the pointy rocks and the raptor paddock. Totatis does some nice head chopping um, in the swing launch. But the head choppers on Gotham City Escape are astounding. The one, the little drop after the dive loop, and you've got Poison Ivy standing there actually like 
on the edge of the little bridge there. I mean, it is so sharp and so fast. Um, and then after the stall, when you barrel right back into Bruce Manor, it's such, it seems like such a narrow little hole that you dive into and you come into it so fast and you're coming in hot. It's funny because there's a Harley Quinn scene where you blow by it so quick. Yeah. Um, so there's, this ride has a lot of strengths in, in ways where other rides do it too, but this one just does it the best. It also, the hang time, this is like a hang time machine. I don't think any, none of the other coasters can, can claim to have the hang time experience that this ride has in its two portions, both the top hat, obviously, because the brake on the top hat slows you down so much. But also the first corkscrew and then the stall. Yeah, and the first corkscrew too, but then yeah, the stall is the part that everyone talks about. That is the ultimate hang time experience. So before we definitely continue talking about all the elements a little bit more, I want to kind of give a picture of the whole ride as in queue to exit, just because I think most people already know the Floss Coaster, but we also already discussed it about Floss Coaster too. You start off with a queue that's outside around Bruce Manor, then you're invited in for a tour of Bruce Manor. As you stand inside the giant hall and Batman is presenting something on the TV. Yeah, you're like in a library. Yeah, you're in the library. Um, the Joker takes over. The whole chimney, a bunch of laughing gas comes out or whatever that green in gas is. In the fireplace, is. yeah. Is it, is it laughing, laughing gas? gas okay, yeah. anywho, that comes out. Laughing gas. And then an alarm goes off because Batman's like, girl, we got to go. Like, girlies, it was cute, but yeah. like, pack your shit, let's go. Yeah. So he opens up his magical way. bookcase, you know. <laughs> and then you There's go down into the back cave, and in the back cave there, it's gorgeous how they did it. They set up a giant kind of like operating center. They turned that old cave into what looks like a brand new building, and it's a pretty large scene. Yeah, where you, there were seats, right? It was yeah, like it used to be a, kind of like a little arena that was a show, and then you went on to the next part of the simulator. And then they threaded the queue out and back in like a horseshoe shape where the seats had been. It was just so right smart. around. And there's a lot happening on TV. It's unfortunate you don't spend a lot of time in our room, so you don't necessarily get the whole image. But that's where all the characters on the ride are also displayed, like, on the news. So, like, Poison Ivy's messing this up. You know, the Joker's doing that. Yeah, Harley Quinn's Harley Quinn's there. doing this. And, you know, that's all being displayed on the on the screens. But if you're if it's not super busy, you don't spend a lot of time in there. Which is unfortunate, because yeah. I kind of wish to spend more time in there. Right? But then there's a hole in the wall, and it leads to a tunnel of the Metro, the New York Metro. And the hole in the wall is amazing. It's brick, and it's real brick. And it looks like the brick, like, exploded yeah, exactly. It looks like some bad vehicle was once flown like, out of it. Yeah, now it looks like something crashed through it. And now <laughs> you're in the in the subway system that is matching, and you know, that's, that's and running like alongside the back well cave. Very New York. And then the metro, really nice, really high quality. And then that's where you board the metro, which is also where you will board the Batmobile or mm-hmm. whatever vehicle we're in. Um, and then you continue on to the first scene on the ride, which is Joker with his laughing gas machine shooting at you, which is when you launch. Audio, kind of hard to understand what it's saying because Batman's narrating, there's music, mm-hmm. it's in Spanish, of course, <laughs> uh, which, you know, I understand no Spanish, but it's kind of hard to hear that when you're launching on yeah. an instant roller coaster. Try to focus on that. It's in Hagrid, you know? I think this is the part where we need to talk about the length of the train. So this is the first time that Intamin has done like a little 12 passenger three car train on a major looping coaster since like Fahrenheit. And what it reminded me a lot of was Maverick and the zippiness. There's just so much you can do when you've got a a train this length. It's like three seems like very short. Like when they announced and showed off the train, people were surprised. They're like, wow, it's a three car train. But I think the length of the train, not only does it lend itself nicely to a coaster like this and allow you to do more, but thematically, I think it also works really well. The train is just the right length that it can you could pass it off as some kind of Batmobile-type vehicle and not like a giant train, per se. You know what I mean? Honestly, you're right. And what I would say is there is a couple of scenes on the ride, especially the Joker scenes, which are inside the main show building. That are just small little scenes, but a whole train can fit in it. It's very wonderful. It's an intimate, um, intimate. And that allows you to do a turntable, which mm-hmm. none of the other oh, turntables. Yes, yes. But yeah, a small train, turntable is not yeah. too big. Yeah, I hadn't even really thought about it. Which then that. helps with the with the maintenance building behind it. You know, the the the, the little rotating turntable really does has so many functions, including becoming a scene. Yeah, the turntable um, puts in overtime. But if we're talking about the trains, there is a glaring difference between these trains and all the other trains oh, and yes. that is 
not just the audio, it's the fact that the Batman trains have a really distinct V seating. Think the B and M V shaped hypercoasters. The Cedar Fair B and M hypers. The um, Jennifer Boomerangs. Like it yeah. has a really clear V shape where practically everyone is kind of sitting in the front of the vehicle, which is really cool. It's stadium seating and it's kind and of it's seated standard. outward, yeah. which way more pronounced than the other ones. It's not quite like the not the B and M's and the and Jennifer Boomerangs, but it's close. Like the it's seats are very far apart enough. You could almost fit a third seat in the middle. Yeah, there. it could exactly. It could have been five That's vehicle cars. It's just a funny thing about it. So in a way, it's. Um, Despite it being open so soon as of 2013, it's only a few weeks, um, it really feels like such an incredibly different approach to the already existing products. Like you think, okay, Velocicoaster, but then you have the audio, and you have the shorter trains, and you have these really tight little elements that then make it, again, so unique. Yeah, that and like you, with elements like the turntable makes a huge difference because when you're building a roller coaster and repurposing existing infrastructure, it's so much harder to solve the solution of, like, where do you put the maintenance bay? How do you do a train, a coaster track like this in in, in uh, infrastructure that may not live? Because, I mean, they, they put a, a station and they put all the stuff where there wasn't really room for anything. None of this stuff for the, the, the simulator was ever meant to, to accommodate something so massive like this. And the turntable, I think, was such a divine solution to, like, a problem and not only did they use that to solve a problem but they used it to really it's uh, an opportunity to elevate the experience and give the ride a really unique fun finale um in the sense of like the the swing the swing break run and alex mentioned just a few minutes ago how the smaller trains allow for like unique elements and i want to dive into that a little bit more because there's a couple of moments on the ride that you could have simply not done with larger trains you have three corks. You have two corkscrews on the ride that are really small, perfectly circular corkscrews that would only really work with a small train. Otherwise, you're gonna have that weird, you know, like you just it can't really drag. A large yeah. train isn't gonna really make that a good element. And then you have um, the very little airtime moment right after the dive loop that just kind of like shifts elevation of the ride, where it's honestly my favorite moment in the entire ride. And yeah. we were chatting with our European crew members of Coaster Kings, and they were all agreeing. It's like, that is the moment of the ride where you just, it's it's unexpected. It's a great moment. And you could never again do that with a big train. Um, and then there's the, the wave turn that leads into the last launch. It is such a weird shape and such a quick moment that I can also not imagine a larger train traversing it and not being a good element. So this design really has... You know, I, I think the reason it has a shorter train is because of what they could do station-wise. But I think it ended up being a ride layout that got so creative because they had all these tight little elements they could do. Which, mm-hmm. you know, we're not used to that from the other ones. Yeah, all the elements they, are kind of large. They kind of had to do the short train. But then once they were doing that, they took full advantage of the opportunity. Um, the, the stall in the top hat is seems like it goes on forever. And it's so much easier to do that with a short train and, and really and really leave you up there to linger and enjoy. There's a lot of things on this ride that, like, instead of, like, Velocicoaster, where, like, some elements are best enjoyed in the front and others are best enjoyed in the back, every element on this ride performs perfectly in every seat because the trains are so short. Yeah, I remember distinctly when we rode in the front and rode in the back, we are like, wow, this feels so incredibly similar. That practically everything is a front row or a back row, right? Yeah. You know? Um, but now we're discussing all four, and I love having little moments where in the moment I make a realization. <laughs> now we're talking about all four, and even though we chat about this in the car and the plane, the train, the river, we always chat about coasters. But I just now realized how incredibly unique Batman really is in a way that all the other ones, you know, Flosco's, Pantheon, Tutatis, they all have very similar large stroke elements. I mean, their stalls are practically all the same. Their top hats are getting quite similar. You know, there's a lot of similarities between them, but then none of those elements can really be found on Batman. Like, every single moment of Batman is very different from what To The Thieves Pantheon and Flosicos have to offer. And even if we talk about the stall, which, of course, is a signature element, the stall on Batman is shaped so weird and it's flat, yeah. and if it's, you know... It's it's a whole different a purpose. It doesn't blow stall. through it. You literally hang there like it's a hang it level out, and it's just flat upside down. 
Yeah, it's like, a track on an It's crazy. You put all the elements next to each other. Besides the LSM launches, there really isn't much that Batman does that the other three even do. Yeah, and like the dive loop on on Batman is is so different. Like it makes the Batman on the it makes the dive loop on Velocicoaster in the second half seem pretty straightforward. The top hat on this one has such a crazy beyond vertical dive that it makes the other top hats seem again straightforward. Like. There's a fair amount of straightforwardness. I think each coaster does something that is really unique, and each one does something that's fairly straightforward, uh, some more than others. But then Gotham, Gotham City Escape doesn't... Like, there's nothing There's nothing straightforward about it. Everything about it just seems like taking what was already accomplished with the coasters before it and, and then just taking it even a step further with everything that it did. And another thing that we've mentioned for the other coasters is integration and kind of like landscaping. First of all, Batman has a really great integration because it takes over like a very large part of the park. The superhero area is one of the largest areas of the park. And now it has like, it's just kind of sprawling. You enter the park and you see it right in front of you, but really the entrance to the ride is practically like the furthest part from the entrance. So it really takes up a large part of the park and, Tutatis and Pantheon are kind of off on their own, not super intricate. Obviously, Velocicoaster is kind of all around, all over the place, but not nearly as much like Batman. Batman is just like, it is just hangs over the park. Any midway, there's an inversion of the ride kind of hovering over it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, the, 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 the middle of the park. So it's funny, when we went in September, the central midways that kind of connect everything at the heart of the park were closed for construction. So you could only really do just like a big loop around the resort. Um, which is cool, and it was kind of st- more straightforward. Uh, I think the park is a lot like Islands of Adventure in a few ways, and in one of those ways was more apparent when the middle midways were closed. Like at Islands of Adventure, you pretty much have to do a loop. There's no other way to go around the park other than the loop, unless you're you're doing like the little inward offshoot for Velocicoaster to circumnavigate Harry Potter Land. But other than that, it's it's a loop. Um. But when the mid-midways, the central midways reopened, you, you come into the park and you can shoot straight down to the heart of the park and you can go left or straight or to the right. And the, the coaster, Batman, uses all of this land that was, was already part of the park and it was just kind of like gardens, I guess. There wasn't really much going on in that middle section other than that it was just a convenient way to... Uh, allow people it would be it would be like if there was like a web of of midways in the center of islands of adventure that would allow you to like cut straight from area to area without having to go through any others um and so the park took great advantage of the fact that they would already be sending people through these midways and they were like well if we build a roller coaster here and just have it like weave around all of the the walkways and stuff you you get like some great interactive moments. There's so much of the ride that you can enjoy from the midway. And then being on the coaster, it's fun seeing um, all of the people walking around you on the midways. It's funny. I feel like the theming is better enjoyed off-ride because you blow by it so quick. Also true. There's like all these scenes on the ride. That, there's yeah, even honestly, like a Poison Ivy themed the, the like bakery kiosk there. <laughs> yeah, that thing, gets real, that thing gets open, which is kind of nice because it has a, this like dining terrace that's right by the launches. So you can see the trains go by and stuff, which is really cool. Um, are you ready to compare to four? I think so. Kind of do? So we'll start off real quick between, um, we honestly already discussed really two Tatis and Pantheon's differences. I'm not going to go back into that. And we kind of did the same with Batman and Flossicos already. So I'm honestly ready to just like tell everyone <laughs> what we think. <laughs> We're going to start with our least favorite to our favorite. Our least favorite is... Well, Pantheon. Pantheon. <laughs> Sorry, Pantheon. Pantheon. You're cute, but um, the lack of a nice cue, the lack of good theming and having practically only large elements and really lacking on the like tiny surprises yeah kind of puts you last it's a great ride again large is not also bad, like you share a park with alpengeist like that sucks for you because I hate this journey for you they're not gonna build a better coaster at that park than alpengeist next up is Tutatis, which i mean it's like a refined, like we said, it's like yeah. a refined pantheon. It has way better scenery, has a cuter overall look, has a couple of moments where you're like, okay, I didn't expect that, particularly the transitions. Um, that's that. And I think the swing launches are really cool, but if you're then going to 
look at the other two. They're just a massive project with great cues. They've got shows going on, the scenery, yeah. the integration. Chocolate Tea still feels a little insubstantial you know, compared to Gotham City Escape and definitely compared to Velocicoaster. Yeah, so I think that's why they're kind of their own category. And even though they're both at the Swing Launch, it's not necessarily why they're both ranked lower. I just think that the grandness of a Parker Warner and a Universal that have put so much storytelling and so much additional detail, like audio or all the rock work or whatever, you know, the Philosophers and Batman have done, that just really sets those two apart, almost in their own league now I think yeah. about it. And I just feel like Totatiste and Pantheon both do a little bit more, like, I, I think Totatiste, after the initial um, little launch and... and um, top hat moment i wish the uh the track the portion of the ride leading to the basically for both of these coasters i feel like the the parts of the ride immediately leading into like feeding into the swing launch are like wasted space they feel like such weak but like both of those rides i feel like their weakest parts are the little off-axis hills leading into the swing launch almost like there's only so much that they can do with the rides once they've decided that they're going to do a swing launch, like the kind their coasters kind of have to approach them slowly. Um, and it just creates like a dead zone on both of these rides. And it makes it feel like and they're both relatively toward the beginning of the ride. So it just makes it feel like it takes longer for the ride to really get started. Whereas with Velocicoaster and Gotham city escape, they take off right away figuratively and literally. And in the case of Gotham city escape, that ride goes a hundred percent every second of the way. Yeah, so then next comes, obviously, which you would like better, Flosco's or Batman. That was a tough choice for me, but speaking through this episode, I think Alex and I are on the same page now. And yeah. we're going to say that Flosco's is next, so as in, like, not the best of the four, in our opinion. That's because it does, a little do, does do a little more demanding. It has the longer train. It, In a way... I feel like not every moment matters as much. Yeah. And we, we talked about this a lot, writing Batman and, you know, and discussing them in a moment. And we really said like, you know what, on Batman, there isn't a single second that's wasted. There isn't a single moment. I can moment. tell you moment for moment exactly what happens on Gotham City Escape. And I've written it twice. Velocicoaster, I still couldn't tell you exactly how the paddock sequence goes because it's all just a little samey. You know, it's like, there isn't, a moment in the paddock that really stands out once you've done the inversions. It's sort of, that's sort of that ride's moment of like, okay, we're plodding along. It's really beautiful and it's miles better than like the low points on Totatis and Pantheon. But the Gotham City Escape simply does not have any weak spots. Yeah, I would agree with that. There statement. is not one chink in that ride's ar- armor. Not one. And... I think that having the shorter train helps. Like there isn't, you know, every seat's a great seat on on that ride. The way the seating is set up, the audio is such a nice added element. I think all things considered, Batman just is a little more special, despite being slightly less fast and slightly. I mean, it's uh, the smaller than Flossicoaster. It's amazing how much more it seems to accomplish within the others. Sometimes less is more, and I think that Batman has beautifully showcased that. Then I do think having the pre-show. And then that followed by the beautiful indoor queue. Like, the whole storytelling component, surprisingly enough, who would have ever thought this? I know. It's actually better at Parker Warner than it is on Philosopher. Because Philosopher's story is a little wonky with the whole, like, we build a roller coaster in the paddock. Philosopher does a lot touch more screens animal, and stuff, you know? too. Like, on a on like a experience level, there's a lot more physical stuff that they went for with Gotham City it's Escape. It's true. Gotham City Escape has several library. You've got some pretty solid audio animatronics. Very little screens. The only part of the ride, the entire ride, from start to finish that has screens, is just that one point in the Batcave where you're walking through fairly Yeah, and the Bruce Manor. And you're seeing like, too. oh yeah, and then, I guess, what I, I guess what I would say is that like the TV's screens in Gotham City Escape, it's like, there's screens that they know they're screens. You're looking at a monitor. You're, like, watching the news or something. Whereas, like, in Universal, they're always trying to use screens to, to and do things with them that you're trying to convince you is not a screen. Exactly. Like, when the Raptors run by you in the launch sequence in Velocicoaster, you're not supposed to be like, oh, that's a screen. You know, you're watching TV. It's like, no, it's supposed to. It's like, no, it's the Raptors. They're running by. They just use a screen to accomplish that. As Gotham City Escape never uses a screen to accomplish something that tries to convince you it's not a screen. You know what I mean? Precisely. 
And so um, that kind of finishes up the episode, the first episode of season five. Yeah. We're, I'm excited. We, we have came a, in such right a long list like of awesome themes that we're going to be discussing. And on the topic of Parker Warner in particular, um, same for um, Pantheon, we're going to be discussing Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, and Parker Warner in detail. They're part of our inside um, sub-series this season, so it's going to be pretty exciting. And while we still have you, obviously we're on threads now, so go ahead and follow us on threads, probably already on Instagram, if not yet, follow us on Instagram. Um, we have a lot of YouTube videos out there from last year, full of like traveling to all these parks, so make sure to check that out. And as always, we're on TikTok and Facebook as well. New articles coming to thecozygains.com. We have articles about Uncharted, about... Batman Gotham City Escape, Two Tatis Rundown. We've got it all on there. We're going to be pushing out articles for Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, and King's Dominion too. So by the time this episode airs, we'll probably have that out. So we appreciate all your support. We welcome you back. Thank you for checking out the first episode of the new season. And we'll see you on the next show. Bye. Bye.